Praise the Lord. We want to look at God's word at this time. Last month, our pastor started to tell us about hell. And it seems pressed in my spirit to continue on that message where our pastor stopped. He is our leader, and so I'm just taking a lead from him. Today we are looking at the message titled, Hell, the Eternal Destiny of All Sinners. Hell, the Eternal Destiny of All Sinners. In Isaiah chapter 1, verse 28, The Bible tells us, And the destruction of the transgressors and of the sinners shall be what? Shall be what? Together. And they that forsake the Lord shall be consumed. Together means that there will be no discrimination. They will be all together. It means that God will not say this sinner is coming from 1040 window. This sinner is coming from the Christian nation. This sinner is coming from any nationality. Together means that God will not say this sinner used to attend church. And this one does not attend church. Together means that God will not say that this sinner used to prophesy and speak in tongues. And this one has never prophesied, never spoken in tongues. Together means all together. Praise the Lord. In Psalm 9 verse 17. The Bible says the wicked shall be turned into hell. And... All the nations that forget God. That means regardless of the nation that we come from, all the nations that forget God. In Revelation chapter 21, we read verse 8. That the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Oh, in First Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9. The Bible says, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, 
nor extortioner shall inherit the kingdom of God. Praise the Lord. Now, when we look at these verses of the Bible, you will see one thing. That God is not going to send anybody to hell because he has come from a particular part of the world or because of his religion or because of anything or his church affiliation. That's not the basis. No one will go to heaven or hell because of his religion. That may surprise us. Neither because of his nationality or his church position or affiliation. Wouldn't that be a surprise to some of us? Are we there? But you see, the verses we have read has told us the category of people that will be in hell. It talks of sinners. And it says, all, every single one of them. And you will begin to find that God is a righteous and just God. And people will go to hell because of their wickedness. While people will go to heaven because of their holy living. Because the Bible says, without holiness, what will happen? Not a single person. God is righteous, and that's the first thing we want to learn this afternoon in Romans chapter 2. I begin to read from verse 3. And thinkest thou this, O man, that judges them which do such things, and doest the same, that thou shalt escape the judgment of God? Or despisest thou the riches of his goodness, and forbearance, and longsuffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance? But after thy hardness and impertinent heart, treasureth up unto thyself wrath against the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God. Who will do what? Render to every man according to his religion, according to his nationality, according to his post in the church, according to his deeds. To them who by patient continuance in well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, what will he give them? Eternal life. But unto them that are contentious and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, what will he give them? Indignation and wrath tribulation and anguish upon every soul of man that doeth what? Evil. Of who? The Jews first. And what? Of the Gentiles. The Jews were the chosen race, the chosen people of God. And he told them that it does not matter your nationality, whether you are chosen, you are not chosen, there is one ground. And that ground is those that walk wickedness, will be turned into everlasting hell. And in verse 10, But glory, honor, and peace to every man that does what? Walketh good to the Jew first, and also to who? The Gentiles. What's the reason for all this? Verse 11 says, For there is no respect of persons with God. This is a very fundamental thing that we have to understand. And the enemy has made sure that people do not understand this. And it's very basic. Because today, 
many think that because of their religion, because of their church position, because of their Christian experiences, that they are insulated from hell. It is not so. The Bible says that to the Jew first and also to who? The Gentiles. And that is the word of God. You see, many times we are confused because the enemy wants it so. But you see, today you will ask me, what does it mean? Because we say that people will need Jesus, you know, to go to heaven. Ah, isn't that what we have said? Yes. Why do we say that? Because Jesus is who? The Savior. What did I say? The Bible says He will save His people from what? Their sins. And the Bible says there is no salvation in any other. In Acts chapter 4 verse 12. That means the reason people need Jesus is Jesus will empower them to stop doing wickedness. And only Jesus has that power. No religion, nobody else. And so the reason why we say without Jesus you cannot go to heaven is that only Jesus can give you the power to live above sin. He is the only Savior from sin. You know, some people say, well, why is it that we say we can only go to heaven by the grace of God? Yes, it is the grace of God that will help us to have dominion over sin. The Bible says, you are not under the law, but under grace, and so sin shall not what have dominion over you. The reason it is the grace of God is it is that grace that gives you victory over sin. It is, you see... John the Baptist came and he looked at Jesus Christ and he said, Behold the Lamb of God who covers sin. Is that what John said? No. He said, Behold the Lamb of God who taketh away sin. And except sin is taken away, there is no heaven for anybody. So Jesus did not come to cover sin or to enable us to continue in sin so that God will overlook it. God is of a purer eye than to behold iniquity, wherever it is found. Be it in 1040 window, be it anywhere else, God is of a purer eye than to do what? Behold iniquity. Where we have read, it does not tell you whether you have a church position. You can be a bishop, you can be an archbishop, you can speak in tongues. It doesn't matter. Absolutely. And we will see it this afternoon so that we will be delivered from deceit. In fact, I call this message the devil's weapon of mass destruction. You know when people make uh, weapons of mass destruction, it's terrible enough, isn't it? But they only get the idea from who? From the devil. But if the devil makes his own, you can only imagine, right? It's terrible. But the first thing is we need to understand that God is a righteous God. And He will not accept into heaven anything that does what? Anything that does what? Defile it. Defile it. So the first thing we are going to look at is this. Religion, church, and position... It's not an insurance from hell. 
That's the first point we are going to look at. In Isaiah chapter 5 verse 14. Isaiah chapter 5. We're looking at verse 14. Therefore, what happened? Hell has done what? Has enlarged herself. You know, there are some people that say that if God is serious about his word, if the word of God is true, hell will be filled up. By the time I show up there, the whole hell will be what? Because if God will mean every single word of his, too many people will go to hell and so there won't be any space. Let me give you an explanation here. The Bible says hell enlarged. <laughs> Can you see it there? Hell adjusts according to the number. <laughs> it enlarges. Is <laughs> so don't be, don't think that if if this is true, if God means every single word of it, hell will be overfull. Don't hell is never what <laughs> it adjusts itself. It is. <laughs> it, it, it didn't stop there. You see, and opened her mouth. How? Wide. Without what? It's immeasurable. So don't be deceived. Don't be what? Deceived. <laughs> you know, before the flood, what happened? Only eight people were... Where do you think the rest went? They went to hell. And hell is still not full. It's not full. In fact, it, it adjusts. It's as if the more people come, the more it adjusts. They without measure. <laughs> Look at it. Look at it. I say, and their glory and their multitude and their pomp. And he that rejoices shall do what? Descend into it. Now, hell is a very terrible place, isn't it? And it's already bad enough for people to go to hell, isn't it? But let me tell you, the worst thing is for people to rejoice into it. Look at the Bible. At the end of it, they say, And he that, eh, he that what? Rejoices shall descend into it. How, how is it that somebody will be rejoicing into hell? Do you know the meaning of that? That's a terrible thing, isn't it? It's more terrible than going to hell itself, isn't it? Now what does it mean? It means that there are many people that are rejoicing, thinking they are going to heaven, but on crossing that line, what happens? They descend into hell. What does that mean? That tells us that many people who say they have security, eternal security, who say their names are in the book of life, who say they are going to heaven and they are in church and committing sin and they are rejoicing, what do you think is going to happen? They enter into hell. So, church, speaking in tongues, prophecy is not an insulation. In Matthew chapter 7, so, Hell is enlarging itself. Multitudes are going, but many from the church. In verse 21 of Matthew chapter 7, it says, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that does what? 
that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have cast out devils? And in thy name done many wonderful works? What will he say? And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that do what? Walk iniquity. Brethren, most of us, we have not done many wonderful uh, work in the name of Jesus. Am I correct? Many of us have not prophesied. Many of us, we have not done these things that these people did in the name of Jesus. Do you see it there? They cast out devils in the name of Jesus. But what happened to them? Where are they going? Where are they? How few? There were few, were there? There were not few, there were many. Many, many, many. When Paul said, I keep my body under, so that after I have preached to people, I myself will not be disqualified. Many people think that uh, Paul was exaggerating. Many people think it was false humility. He meant everything he said. Because let me tell you, whatever Paul did is not more than what these people did. Is it, am I correct? And they, they went where? Paul knew that. Today we sit in church and we can have uh, enemies in the church. We can backbite. We can speak evil. We can have strife. And we have no fear of hell at all. That's what the Bible says. Many rejoice it and they enter into hell. That is rejoicing and entering into hell. We sit in the church and we say because we are born again. We, we, we have speaking in tongues. We are spirit filled. We can do what we like. And we think we are going to go to heaven. The Bible says many rejoice into where? Into hell. That's the only way you can rejoice into hell. You, you, nobody can tell you how bad hell is and you'll be rejoicing into it. You will think that you are going to heaven. And there are not a few. You see, let's look at the Bible again in Luke chapter 13. I read from verse 23. You see, when Jesus was preaching, one man has looked at Jesus and said, Then said one unto him, Lord, are there few that shall be saved? He had looked at the preaching of Jesus. He said, Jesus, this thing you are saying, nobody is going to make heaven. There will be too few. He looked at Jesus and said, Jesus, you cannot mean what you are saying. How many people are going to make it if what you're saying is true? And you know what Jesus told him? In verse 24, he said, don't worry about that. You strive to enter in at the straight gate. For what will happen? Few. Many, 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 I say unto you, will seek to enter in. Maybe because of what they think they have done for God. They've built churches for God. They have evangelized half of the world. And they think that that will take them to heaven. Say, many. They're taking Holy Communion. Look at it in verse, uh, in verse 26. Look at the qualifications of those people that, that, that Jesus is going to send into, in, into hell. Say, verse 26. Say, then shall ye begin to say, we have done what? Eating and drunk in thy presence. They have taken Holy Communion. And they sat and listened to messages like this. Look, and thou hast thought in our streets. 
<laughs> what do you think? <laughs> but he shall say, I tell you, I know you not. Whence you are, depart from me, all ye workers of. Brethren, if the only thing we will learn today is that people will go to hell, not because of any other reason, but because of what? Iniquity. There's no other condition for hell. There's no other condition. Absolutely. And the devil is using this to deceive many people. Say you only need to come to church and you're born again. After all, you, 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 you remember the day you were born again and you are a child of God. God cannot disown his child. A lot of terrible doctrine from the pit of hell, which I call devil's weapon of mass destruction. Today, the church is focusing on areas. Say that this is 1040 windows. This area here is a hidden land. Let's go and evangelize. Do you know why the church is doing that? The countries that originally sent out the missionaries, do you know what is happening to them? Can you know what is happening to them right now? They need to be evangelized. You see, let me tell you, my brother, if you lose focus of the truth of God's word, you will lose everything. You see, the church is losing focus. While it is good to focus on the hidden world, my brethren, it will be like a football team. Uh, you remove your goalkeeper, you remove your back man, you put them in front, and the enemy has shot ball towards your side, and you are sitting there, you say you want to defeat the enemy. I mean, don't you think it's not wise? Don't you think it's foolish? And that's what is happening. Many are descending into hell from the church, and from those countries that are supposed to be called Christian countries. And the church is out there. Saying it is the hidden that needs salvation. Let me tell you, every single soul needs salvation. Every single soul, whether you are in the church, whether you are in the western world, whether you are in the Middle East, whether you are in Russia, you are in China, you need salvation. It is, it, there is no one that will go to heaven without salvation from sin. Because all workers of iniquity will be turned into hell, everlasting hell. You see, let me tell you in uh, Isaiah chapter 9 verse 16, the devil has crept into the church to destroy, to deceive. In Isaiah chapter 9, verse 16, and he uses the leaders of many churches, people who, who say they are, they, they, are, they are servants of God. In Isaiah chapter 9, verse 16, what happens? For the leaders of these people do what? Cause them to err. Was the reason that they... And they that are led of them, what will happen? They are destroyed. Why? Because in Second Corinthians chapter 11, in Second Corinthians chapter 11 verse 13, I read there, for such are false who? False apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. And no marvel, for Satan himself is what? Transformed into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also, tra also be transformed into ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to what? Their work. They profess Jesus Christ, but in works, they deny Him. In their actions, they deny Him. The fact that they profess Jesus doesn't mean that 
they are righteous. They deny him in words. They may not deny him in their mouth. But that is not the important thing. By their words, you will know them. By their fruits. And so we need to understand these days that without holiness, no one shall do what? That needs to sink very deep. And if only the church will begin to realize this, what will happen in Matthew chapter 23? In Matthew chapter 23, I read verse 13. But woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you shut up the kingdom of heaven against men. For you neither go in yourselves, neither suffer ye them that are entering to go in. What does that mean? It means that if the church will cleanse themselves and prepare themselves for heaven, the world will be one. You don't understand me? The religious people of Jesus' days, you know what? They were religious outside, externally good. Inwardly, they were what? Terrible. The Pharisees, the scribes. And so, do you know, they were not going to go to heaven. And so, the people looking at their actions say, well, if this is the action of people who say they are right and they are religious, let us follow this type of action. What do you think will happen? Both they that are religious, they will not go to heaven, but because they have put themselves as light, you know, and people are following them, what will happen? They too that should have gone will not go. Do you understand me? Yes. So, when, when the world looks at the church today, let me tell you the reason why the heathen is not converted. They look at the church and they say, look, though you people say your way is the right way, but when we look at your lives, our lives are better than yours. Don't you think that you already become a hindrance to them going to heaven? So you do not go yourself, but you do not allow them to go. And do you think that uh, the, people, uh, the Pharisees, they were not evangelizing? Look at verse 15. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you come past sea and what? <laughs> they, were, they, they went all over the world. They were evangelizing and land. To make one proselyte, and when he is made, you make him twofold more, the child of a, the child of a hell than yourself. What does that mean? We are evangelizing. It's a good thing. But when we bring the people into the church, and they see our lives, they see the wickedness, they see one sister is not greeting another sister, they see the sister backbiting and tearing down the other sister. They say, what? Is this what church is all about? And then what do you think will happen to this new convert that God wants to take to heaven? You will destroy his or her life. You say, well, maybe uh, I misunderstood the first message. The first message was correct. It's the one that you are seeing that is not correct. You make the person twice a child of where? Hell. By your actions, by what you are doing, by what that person is seeing in the church, you discourage that person from following the way of righteousness. So it's good to evangelize. But if we ourselves are not evangelized, we are wasting our time. Not only will we not go to heaven, but those that we say they are our converts will also take them into the wrong place where we are going. And we will not go in the name of Jesus. So what I want to say this afternoon is we need to understand the truth of the word of God because the Bible says, Ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall do what? 
the truth shall set you free. I want to say to us that even if we have been saved, do you know some people say once you are saved, saved forever? It's not so. You know, Peter, Peter sinned, isn't it? Peter disowned, uh, denied his master, isn't it? What did Jesus say? Jesus said, look, I have prayed for you so that when you are converted, do what? Strengthen your brethren. So if you have been born again, spirit-filled, speaking in tongues, prophesying, casting out devils, and you sin, my brother, you need to be what? You need to be what? You need to be converted. In uh, James chapter 5, verse 19, Brethren, if any of you, is talking to brethren, now that means believers, if any of you do err from the truth, what will happen? And one does what? Convert him, let him know that he which converted the sinner from the error of his way shall save a soul from death and shall hide a multitude of sins. What that means is immediately you sin, no matter what you have done for God, no matter the position you hold, immediately you sin. The Bible says what? You are a sinner. And you need to be converted. God does not differentiate between the sin of the born again and the sin of the non-born again. God does not what? Differentiate. And you need to be what? Converted. You need to be converted. And you know, the, 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 many people say, well, once we are saved, our names are in the book of life. Do you know, Jesus told the disciples, says, don't rejoice because the devil is subject unto you. Many of us, we are giving testimony. God is answering our prayer. That's good. That's a good thing, but that is not the main source of our joy. What is the source of our joy? Our name is in heaven. There's a book of life that God puts. That book is life. It's a book of life, but it's a life book. Do you know the meaning of a life book? A life book is a book that is updated. You know, life, life register. You know, life. Life book. A book of life is a life book. It's updated. What that means is names are added as people are converted. And what happens? Names are removed as people go to sin. Don't we know that? In Exodus chapter 32. Verse 33. And the Lord said to Moses, Whosoever has sinned against me, him will I, in Exodus 32, verse 33, And the Lord said unto Moses, Whosoever has done what? Sinned against me, him will I. Do you see, do you see that the book is life? The book is life, so immediately you commit sin, what will happen? There will be no trace there. Your name is eh, wiped out. And if you continue, say, after all, I, I knew my name was there once. It doesn't matter. Is, is, it, is it there now? Is it current now? And this, this book is not church register. <laughs> it's good to be registered. But that is not the thing. This book is the one God writes in heaven. Because when you see pastor does not see you, Pastor, do you follow? <laughs> you don't follow. You like, Pastor cannot clean your name. 
He doesn't see you. He doesn't see the things going on in your heart. He doesn't see the bitterness you have in your heart against your sister, against your brother. He doesn't see the covetousness. He cannot see it. So it's, the, it's not the pastor's book. It's not the church register. It's a book of life because God sees everything. And he can remove our names from there, but he will not remove your name. Because from today you are going to go and sin no more. We see that also in Revelation chapter 22 verse 19. It's a live book. It says, And if any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city and from the things that are written in this book. And let me tell you, the enemy is trying to take many things from the Bible. You know, don't walk with him. You buy a King James Bible, and so that you will have the full truth, so that we will not be deceived. Praise the Lord. So, please be aware that God can blot names out because of sin, and He does that. Uh, you know, some other people say, well, God does not forsake us. <laughs> How many of us hear that? Say, God can never forsake us. Raise up your hand if you have ever heard that God can never forsake us. People are afraid now. <laughs> because you don't know what I'll say. <laughs> In Second Chronicles chapter 15, I read verse 1 and 2 there. And the Spirit of God came upon Azariah, the son of Oded. And he went out to meet Asa and said unto him, Hear ye me, Asa, and all Judah and Benjamin. The Lord is with you. What happened? While you be with him. And if you seek him, he will what? Be found of you. But if you forsake him, if you forsake him, is it in your Bible? In chapter 24, verse 20. And the Spirit of God came upon Zechariah, the son of Jehoiada, the priest, which stood above the people and said unto them, First said God, Why transgress ye the commandment of the Lord that ye cannot prosper? Because you have forsaken the Lord, He has also... Is it in your Bible? Well, you have a good Bible. I want to tell you that many, many, many people, you know, they don't have the right one. So you need to thank God. Ezekiel chapter 33. I read verse 12. Therefore, thou son of man, say unto the children of thy people, The righteousness of the righteous shall not deliver him in which day? In the day of his transgression. Do you know this blotting out I'm talking about? It's not as if you commit the sin now and God will wait till tomorrow to blot your name out. When does he do it? When does he do it? 
you know, you can look at some of those uh, things that flicker, you know, either in the board, you know, those boards, uh, electronic boards, either for games and, or for the stock market. You know, it keeps flickering like this. The numbers are changing. That's how it is. The book of life, it changes. As people are doing evil, their names are disappearing. As people are getting converted, disappearing. That's how it is in the book of life. It says, in the day that he was of his transgression. It's not the following day. There is no time lag. So you can say, eh, eh, I've just done this one now, so it's alright. No, you better repent immediately. As for the wicked, wickedness of the wicked, he shall not fall thereby in the day that he turned from his righteousness. Neither shall the righteous be able to live for his righteousness in the day that he sinned. Verse 13. When I shall say to the righteous that he shall surely live, if he trusts to his own righteousness and commit iniquity, all his righteousness shall not be. But for his iniquity that he has committed, he shall die for it. That's in the Bible, isn't it? Because Jesus said, it's he that endures to the end that will be saved. Don't say that you have done so much, and so you can commit a little sin. God will overlook it. God will not what? Overlook it. I want to tell you another thing. You know, some people say the Spirit of God, you know, cannot leave us, you know. You know, the Spirit of God, once God gives you His Spirit, He cannot leave. But do you know, I looked at the Bible and found in First Samuel, do you know, one man that was genuinely born again in the Old Testament is Saul. You know Saul, the first king. He was what? He was born again. I don't know if anybody was more born again than uh, than uh, Saul. You know, in, in chapter 10 of First Samuel, I read verse uh, 6. Then the Spirit of the Lord shall come upon thee, that's upon Saul, and thou shalt prophesy with them, and shall be turned into another... What, what is born again? Born again is to be turned into another... Okay, look at verse 9. And it was so that when he had turned his back to go from somewhere, God gave him another. And all those signs came to pass in that day. Verse 11. And it came to pass when all that knew him before time saw that, saw that, uh, behold, he prophesied among the prophets. Then the people said unto another, What is this that is come unto the son of Kish? Is Saul also among the prophets? Let me tell you, was Saul born again? It's so clear, isn't it? Okay, but look at chapter 16, verse 14. Chapter 16 of 1 Samuel, verse 14. But the Spirit of the Lord did what? But the Spirit of the Lord, and an evil spirit from the Lord troubled him. So not only will the Spirit of God leave you if you sin, what will happen? What will happen? Demons. Because the only avenue is there for, for them to come in is sin. Demons will possess you. And you say, ah, I'm led by the Spirit of God. And you'll be doing what you like. They are not led by the Spirit of God. There has been an exchange of uh, spirit. And that's why some people are in the church, they're, you know, they're, they're speaking in tongues and they're committing fornication and adultery. They're doing what they like and they say they're speaking in tongues. 
there has been an exchange of what? Spirit. So don't let all these false teachers deceive you and say, well, once God has given you His Spirit, He's made you His child, you are a child of God, don't worry, heaven is sure. Heaven is not sure for anybody, it's only He that endures to the very end. Don't be deceived by these deceivers. Praise the Lord. Well, haven't known that. I'm going to talk about one of the most delicate subjects in the Bible. One, we have known that even if we are genuinely saved and born again, and we sin, the Spirit of God can leave us, and our names will be blotted out. But if we repent, if we, if we confess and repent, we'll be restored. But let me tell you, there is a line. And that line is this. You cannot continue to sin and hope that one day you will, eh? You will, eh? Repent. So I'm going to talk about the unforgivable sin. Because both saved people and unsaved people can commit this unforgivable sin and be doomed forever even while they are still alive. And that's the most terrible thing. And it's a very sensitive subject in Christendom. What is an unforgivable sin? Or what's the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit? You know, some people call it that. It is any willful or deliberate sin that makes the Holy Spirit depart from any individual permanently. The Holy Spirit. He can be grieved away permanently from an individual. Why is it unforgivable? It is because it is the Holy Spirit that brings conviction of sin. Are you following me? And if that Holy Spirit is not operating in your life, there will be nothing encouraging you to repent or to come to God. It is the Holy Ghost that has that office. And you see that in John chapter 16 verse 7 to 11. You know what Jesus said? He said about the comforter. Let me just read uh, verse 8. And when he is come, he will reprove the world of what? And of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin because they believe not on me. But let me stop there. You see, it's the Holy Ghost that will point us to sin. Convict us of sin. And encourage us to come to Jesus for our salvation. If that Holy Ghost leaves you permanently, you will not have any feeling of repentance, and so there can be no forgiveness. <laughs> you know, one thing is this. God is a person. Yeah? And God does give up on people. Do you know that? You know, many times people think God does not give up. In Genesis chapter 6, verse 3. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he also is flesh, yet his days shall be an hundred and twenty years. 
God is very wise. He knows the extent beyond which is no use to prevail on an individual. He knows that very well. Look at, look at it in uh, Romans chapter 1 verse 24. I read, wherefore God also did what? Are we there? Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness through the loss of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves. So what, what does that tell you? It tells you that God also does what? What? Verse 26. For this cause, God did what? Gave them up unto vile affections. For even their women did, did change their natural use into that which is against nature. Verse 28. And even when they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God did what? God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. God gives up on people. Let me tell you, if God does not give up on people, why, why, why did he kill people? Do you, how many of us know that he killed and make it alive? In the Old Testament, do you know he killed? In the Old Testament, there were two things, two types of sin. The sin of ignorance and the sin of presumption or deliberate sin. The sin of ignorance has atonement. In Numbers chapter 15, I begin to read from verse 26. No, I'll read from 27. In Numbers chapter 15, If any soul sin through ignorance, then he shall bring, what? A she-goat of the first year for a sin offering. And the priest shall make an atonement for the soul that sinned ignorantly. When he sinned by ignorance before the Lord to make an atonement for him, and he shall be what? Forgiving him. Are we together there? Ye shall have one law for both him that sinned through ignorance, both for him that is born among the children of Israel, and for the stranger that sojourneth among them. One law. God never has two laws. Not one for born again and one for not born again. In verse 30. But the soul that doeth us presumptuously, deliberately, whether he be born in the land or a stranger, the same reproacheth the Lord. And that soul shall be what? Cut off from among his people, because he has despised the word of the Lord, and has broken the, his commandment. That soul shall be utterly cut off, his iniquity shall be upon him. There are two, two types of uh, conditions. If you deliberately, presumptuously, that is, you know, deliberate sin is, you sit down and calculate it, you plan it, and you execute it. It's, you, are not, you are not committing that sin out of the pressure of, uh, of temptation or the pressure of life. Do you know Peter sinned by disowning his Lord three times, isn't it? He repented. Do you know that? Do you know... Uh, uh, Judas. Judas sin. Do you know Peter's sin was uh, unintentional? Why? Do you know Peter said, 
uh, I will die with you, uh, my master. I love you so much. Anybody that will die with you is me. I will die with you. Do you know that? That's what Peter said. But in the pressure of the moment. <laughs> Do you think uh, Peter was intentionally a sinner? He committed sin, but it was not what? So, uh, he, he had the chance to repent. But Judas, Judas sat down and said, mm, I need to make some money now. Uh, there was no pressure, no reason. Then he said, uh, let me go to these people. Maybe they will pay me money to, to sell this my master. That was a deliberate thing, calculated. Do you know what I'm saying? That's what he did. He calculated it. Did he find a place to repent? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Judas is an example of deliberate sin. When somebody has not done anything and you sit down because of envy and jealousy, you, you begin to plan how you will destroy that person, either his character, his resources, or anything. That is what is called what? Deliberate sin. If you open your mouth without provocation and you are saying something and doing something that will harm somebody else, let me tell you, you are on the most dangerous ground on earth. It's called deliberate sin. In the Old Testament, if you do something deliberately, there was no pardon. The blood of those goats don't avail. <laughs> it's when you do the thing ignorantly and say, hey, go and bring goat now. You bring goat, they slaughter. Say, okay, that's all right. <laughs> we need to understand this. Deliberate sin is the most dangerous in Genesis chapter 15. I read verse 16. But in the fourth generation, they shall come hither again. For what? The iniquity of the Amorite is not yet what? God measures iniquity. What, what, what am I saying? It's like a cup. He has a cup for every person. He measures your deliberate sins that go enter that cup. When that cup is full, finish. He gives up on you. He said the iniquity of these people was not yet what? <laughs> the people who are sinners, terrible sinners, you know, in the land of Canaan. And uh, the Israelites were going to displace them for their sin. He was going to destroy them. But God said he has to wait 400 years. Why? What's the reason? The iniquity of those people has not reached the place where I will give them up and destroy them. He has a cup. So this sin that will grieve away the Holy Ghost permanently from a life does not have to be a big sin or a small sin. It only needs to be deliberate. An additional deliberate sin can make you permanently lose the presence of the Holy Ghost. I'm going to tell you something. It's called the principle of progressive hardening. Look, as I'm preaching now, you may come to church and you are hearing message and something is telling you today is your day of repentance. And today you need to cry, you need to, you need to restitute. You need to embrace this brother, you need to embrace this sister. This is the last time for you. A voice may be telling you that. And you know you may be struggling. You say, but if I do that, it will embarrass me. You know, after all, I'm not the only sinner in this church. You know, it will embarrass me. So uh, you begin to suppress it. 
He said, okay, uh, when, when, I, when after the church at home, I will go and I will uh, make restitution. I will repent there. Do you know what I'm saying is a possibility? Eh? Do you know what will happen? When you leave this church and you go home, that pressure will leave you. How many of us agree with me? You will not be under pressure to do that thing. Are we correct? What it means is your heart has become harder than when you had, it, had the message the first time. Are you following me? It's called the law of progressive hardening. And let me tell you, when you come back to church another time, and the same message that agitated you so much, you almost surrendered your life. The same message that shook you to your bones. When you hear it again, let me tell you, you will not feel it. Am I correct? It's called the law of progressive hardening. Truth loses its power at every deliberate rebellion. The power of truth on you will be lost as you continue to rebel up to a point no truth has power on you. You need to understand that. And that is why at a point the Holy Ghost gives up on you. And we need to understand that. So don't say, well, I can always uh, repent. It's not so. Why didn't Judas repent? Why didn't Ananias and Sapphira repent? Eh? Imagine Peter, the whole anointed man of God, calls him, say, my friend, what you have done now? What is it? Did you sell this? Was it, was it not enough for him to repent? Couldn't repent. Why? Because he sat down and calculated. You know, Ananas and Sapphira, it was a deliberate... Eh? How many of us agree? It was a deliberate thing. They sat down and said, we want to have good reputation in the church, so we are going to sell our property like all the other people, but we are not going to give the whole money. We will keep part. You know, all these people are not very wise. We are wise, so we keep part for the rainy day. So they kept part. So they went and did what they liked, wanting to have the same reputation among the saints. So seek reputation among the saints is very dangerous. So Peter called them. <laughs> and they should be trembling, isn't it? They should be trembling. Say, this, thing, this has been found out. Uh, there's no need to cover it up anymore. Say, did, you, did you sell it at this price? Let me tell you, if it was not a deliberate thing, if their cup was not full, if the Holy Ghost had not given up on them, what do you think they would do? They would break down. Peter broke down in tears. They would have broken down and said, please have mercy on us. Their cup was a full, deliberate sin. God immediately killed them. If there was hope of them ever being saved again and God killed them, do you think uh, God would be fair? Huh? Are we together here? God had given up on them. God gives up. Deliberate sin. Don't ever sit down and know that what I'm going to do is wrong, is evil. And you go ahead and do it. Let me tell you, your cup will be full. You say, ah, brother, this kind of message is too hard. That's all right. <laughs> the important thing is God doesn't want people from this church to go to hell that's the reason for this message you saw it at the beginning some people were dancing and rejoicing where did they end? it won't be your portion it will not be your portion because we are going to expose the whole Bible to you in this church that is the commitment we have made in this church to expose the whole Bible because 
there are many covetous people out there that are telling lies about God to send people to hell. As long as their bank account is full, that's alright. And together they will be where? In hell. You know, Pastor Monima, he told us, one man was looking for his pastor in hell. You will not find any of us there. I am free of the blood of all men. Because I have not shown to declare to you the whole counsel of God. And this is very serious business. So please, let's understand that many people, they are deceiving us. They say, ah, no, once you are born again, you cannot commit the unpardonable, unforgivable sin. Let me tell you, Judas was born again. What happened to him? He committed the unpardonable sin and went to hell. Ananias and Sapphira were they not born again? They were Christians in the church. So it's not only sinners that can commit this unforgivable sin. Everybody has light. And the more light you have, the more dangerous it is. Yes, because God is going to judge us by the light that we have received. When we walk the Lord. In the light of... is the light. is the light you have that is going to be your judge. So if you have more light and you are coming to bread of life, you have more light. Yes, it's true. God is going to judge you on the basis of the light you have. And that light, that light, if you sin against that light, He will add it to that cup. That cup. Don't let it be full. That cup. And so many people tell us wrong things. And uh, Hebrews chapter 6, just so, uh, why I read some of these verses, it's not because the word of God is not so obvious, but the thing is, you need to have something to challenge these uh, people that want to take you to hell. You, you tell them, you show them from the Bible. In uh, Hebrews chapter 6, I read from verse 4. For it is what? Impossible for those who were what? Once enlightened and have done what? Tasted the heavenly gift and have been made partakers of the Holy Ghost. Tell me, are these people not born again? Huh? They are born again. And he says it is impossible and haven't tasted the good word of God and the powers of the world to come. If they fall away to renew them again to repentance, seeing they crucify to themselves, the Son of God afresh and put him to an open shame. That tells you that people who are born again can commit the unforgivable error and it will be impossible for them to repent. It is impossible for them to come back. In Hebrews chapter 10, I read from verse 26. For if we willfully sin, if we sin willfully, after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, what happens? There remained no more sacrifice for sin, but a certain fearful looking of the judgment and fearing indignation that shall devour the adversary. He that despised Moses' law died without mercy under two or three witnesses. Of how much sorrow was punishment? Suppose ye shall he be thought worthy who has trodden underfoot the Son of God and has come, counted the blood of the covenant wherewith he was sanctified 
an unholy thing and has done despite unto the holy the spirit of grace. You see, some people call this unforgivable sin, you know, blasphemy against the Holy Ghost. Do you understand me? But every deliberate sin is a blasphemy against the Holy Ghost. Because the Holy Ghost is telling you, this thing you are sitting down to calculate and do, you should not do it. It is evil, isn't it? And you say, leave me alone. Uh, I need to do this evil. You are, what are you doing? You are despising what? The spirit of uh, grace. You see it there? You don't despise unto the spirit of grace. Deliberate sin, willful sin. That is what the Bible is calling unforgivable sin. The cup, when it's cup, only God knows when the cup is full. Only God knows. And, and, and don't, don't think it has to be a big thing. You may add just a little small deliberate sin and the cup is already full. But I can tell you one thing we can know. From Romans chapter 1 verse 32. How do we know if people have crossed the line? In Romans chapter 1 verse 32. Who knowing the judgment of God that they which do such things are worthy of death? Not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. These people that have crossed this line... Not only do they know the judgment of God that doing evil is bad, they not only continue to do it without a feeling of repentance, they also love the people that do such things. That's one sign that they have crossed the line. And that's not the only sign. They love the people that are doing this bad thing, but they become despisers of them that do good. You see that in Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 3. Despisers of them that do good. They begin to hate the people that are doing good. That's a sign that they have crossed the line. And that's not the only thing. They actually go from bad to worse. In Second Timothy chapter 3. I read verse 13. Yeah, uh, from verse 12. Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Verse 13. But evil men and seducers shall do what? What's worse and worse deceiving and being what? Deceived. Such people will go from bad to worse. Not only will they hate the people that are doing good and therefore persecute them. That's the reason they persecute them. You know, but they themselves go from bad to worse. And not only that, they have certain assurance of judgment. They know in their hearts that they will be judged in the air. But more importantly, in Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 10, I read the last part of verse 10. Second Thessalonians chapter 2, last part of verse 10. Because they refused, because they received not the love of the truth, and I believe you are receiving the love of the truth, that they might be saved. You know what happened? And for this cause, God did what? God shall send them strong delusion, that they should believe a lie, that they all might be damned, who believe not the truth, but had pleasure in what? Unrighteousness. See, God, when he gives them up, he sends them what? Strong deceit. So such people embrace false doctrine. 
they, they, they are looking for any doctrine that says, once born again, always born again. Once saved, saved for it. They are looking for false doctrine. Why? Because God has given them up, and who sent them this strong delusion? Verse 11. Are we together? And for this cause, who? God himself. And I think it's of his mercy that he's, he deceives them. Because, do you know why? If you are living in this world, you have not died yet. And you know for sure you are going to hell. It's a very tormenting thing, isn't it? And that there is no hope for you. So God in his mercy, he will send them strong delusion just to, 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 to pacify them before their final doom. <laughs> Brethren, our time is up. What is the purpose of this message? The purpose is, when you hear the word of God today, harden not your heart. Where we need to repent, repent now. Don't say you're waiting till you get out of this church. Repent now. Where you need to reconcile, reconcile. All the sin in our lives, let it end today. That's the purpose. Let's rise up to pray. We will not be deceived anymore. Today is the day of salvation. Why don't we confess our sins today? Tell the Lord, I'm ready to make restitution. I'm ready to be transformed by your spirit. Forgive me. Have mercy on me. I don't want to go to hell. don't want to dance and enter hell. Have mercy on me. In Jesus' name we pray. Father, we want to thank you for your words. You have sent this word to us because you love us. And you do not want any of us to perish. Lord, we are praying the grace, O God, to rise up in repentance. To rise up in restitution. The grace to rise up regardless of what men will say. Who will laugh at us. Father, give that grace to every one of us this afternoon in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, we pray that none of us hearing this message will end up in hell at the last in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that every one of us here, that your spirit will not leave us alone until this word fulfill its purpose in our lives and change our destiny for good in the name of Jesus. Let your name be glorified. In Jesus' name we pray. Please be seated. And turn to our Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Let us prepare ourselves for the communion. I will read it from 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses from 22. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. 
But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason many are weak and sick among you, and many asleep. For if we could judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord, that we may not be condemned with the world. Dear children of God, this reminds us of four things to look for. Because one is we look behind what the Lord Jesus Christ has done. He died for our sins. Secondly, you look within you. Examine yourselves. Thirdly, you look around our relationship with our fellow brethren. Third, fourthly, you look forward the Lord's coming. So the word of God exalts us to remember this until the Lord's coming. Let's close our eyes. Dear gracious Father, we thank you for the privilege that you given to us. Lord, come together in union to take part in this table. Bless the bread and the wine which before us. Lord, as we take part in this, O oh Father, as you reminded us, help us to examine ourselves. Lord, we come before you as you have spoken to us through your word. Here we are, O oh Father. Forgive us all our unconfessed sins in our lives, O oh Father. Cleanse us once again with the precious blood of your Son, Jesus Christ. Help us to receive your blessing which is towards us. In Jesus' precious name we pray. This table is prepared for those who are born again. Please come in order as the ushers list us. Since the time is short, please quickly come forward. Your holy song of 
in jesus most exalted name we offer this prayer to share the grace may the grace of our lord jesus christ the love of god and the fellowship of the holy spirit be with us now and forever more go in peace may god bless you all